Well, if you are guests today, again, thanks for being here today. Uh, my name is Jim Jackson. I'm on staff here at Heritage. My privilege today to open the Bible with you. And so I would want you, if you would, call your attention to this passage up on the... I'm going to have you read it with me. Just give you a little background. During the Christmas holiday, uh, my whole family and I got to have a kind of a Christmas trip together. And I was having a quiet time one morning and the Lord just spoke to my heart about a certain issue in my own life. And so I wanted to share that with you today. And so I want you, if you would, just where you're at, if you can see this, I want you to just read this with me together, okay? Let's read this. I planted the seed in your hearts, and Apollos watered it, but it was God who made it grow. It's not important who does the planting or who does the watering. What's important? is that God makes the seed grow. So I I want you on your, uh, hopefully your worship guide, if you have a pen or pencil, I want you to write a few things down. And I'm just going to ask you, but instead of maybe saying it out loud, I want you to write it down. And here's why I want you to write it down, whether maybe you knew this or not. But did you know that there is a 47% chance more that you will do something if you will write it down? So if you will, like, just take the time and just write some things down today that, like, hey, I'm going to be intentional with this, all right? And so here's just a few questions. Write it down, just kind of in your mind. So in these passages, what is God's responsibility? In these two passages we just read, God's responsibility is to, and then I just want you to write it down. Of course, you'd probably write down something like it's God's responsibility to reap the harvest. It is his responsibility to make the seed grow. Here's the second question. What is our responsibility? According to these passages, you and I, our responsibility is to what? And you might put something like um, it's to plant or it is to sow. Well, what what does it mean to sow? Now, growing up in church, Um, whenever I heard the preacher talk about you're going to reap what you sow, I thought he was talking about, well, that's what my mom does all the time with my pants. Uh, Whatever she sows, I rip. And so I'm growing up thinking you're going to rip what you sow. And I'm thinking like, hey, mom, you have a a long job ahead of you because she would uh, sow these knee pads. Do you know what I'm talking about? Today you buy jeans with holes in your knees. And the deal is, I was the inventor of that, that you make holes in your jeans. And so I thought, you're going to rip what you sow. No, you know what it means. So you sow seed, you sow seed in people's lives. And I guess the next question would be this, when do we sow? Now, here's the thing. A lot of people think only the preacher, only the teacher, only certain particular people sow Uh, The truth is we're going to get to realize is that every one of us in this room have sown seed today. You're reaping a harvest for whatever you have been sowing, whether you realize it or not. But I guess here's the question is, is when do you sow seed? When do you sow? Well, you probably know this, but all of life you and I are sowing. All of life you are sowing seed. In fact, our thoughts, good and bad thoughts, are sown in our thoughts every day, dependent on how we cultivate them, determines on what we reap from them. We sow 
either through our words or the lack of our words. So we are either sowing into somebody's life through words of encouragement, instruction. We're either sowing in correction or honestly, because you know, you know this statement, it is impossible for any of us to not communicate. You cannot not communicate. Does that make sense? Uh, whether you are saying things or you're holding things back, you and I are constantly communicating with one another. And so we are either sowing good seed in other people's lives, either through good words or bad words or the lack of words. Like someone needs appreciation and yet you do not show that, that is communicating something to them. And so you're sowing into their lives. I, I think I've said this before, but a survey was done amongst a bunch of companies and 80% of the employees said that their bosses do not show appreciation to them. And then when they went and asked the bosses, they all said, well, sure we do. Well, someone is getting the wrong answer, right? They're not getting it right. Not only through our words, but through our actions or the lack of our actions, we are sowing into others. So the thing is, whether you're a child, a student, a single, married, it does not matter, grandparent, all of us are always sowing seed into other people's lives, into our own lives. And so the question would be, what is the quality? What is the richness of what we are sowing into each other's lives? So open your Bible, if you will. Turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. While you're turning there, the context of this particular passage is about giving. Now, we're not going to be talking about giving today, but the context of this passage is giving, but the principle is about sowing. And so, how are you and I sowing? So, I guess what was laid on my heart during Christmas was, how rich am I sowing into other people's lives? How rich am I sowing into my own life so I can sow into other people's lives? And so, if you have it there, just uh, follow along. To this this is the point. It says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And so the truth of this passage is this, we're either sowing sparingly or we are abundantly sparing, uh, sowing into someone's life. But here's the deal, you are never not sowing. Uh, you and I are constantly sowing. Whether you realize it or not, you have sown into your own life this morning. You've either sown sparingly or bountifully. You have either sown into someone else's life sparingly or abundantly. Today, the rest of this day, whether in your family or any relationship or just your own personal walk with Christ, you will either sow sparingly are bountifully. You will never like not be sowing. We are continually sowing. And so the question is, why would a person ever, especially a believer, why would a believer ever sow sparingly into their own life or to someone else's life? And so if you will, from that passage, take a hard right, go to the book of Galatians. In Galatians chapter 6, here's just one verse we'll talk about for a moment. There are many throughout the Scriptures, but here's one just real pointed 
Like, why would a believer, a follower of Christ, why would I ever sparingly sow good into my own life? Why would I ever sparingly sow into your life? Why, why would I ever hold back? Why would I ever be selfish? Well, here in Galatians 6, verse 8 again, For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption, or it literally means decay. If you and I sow to our own flesh, we will reap decay. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. If you look there in your quotes, the very first quote by a guy named John Stott said this, Every time we allow our minds to harbor a grudge, nurse a grievance, entertain an impure fantasy, wallow in self-pity, we are sowing to the flesh. Every time we linger in bad company whose insidious influence we know we cannot resist, every time we lie in bed when we ought to be up and praying, every time we view a pornography, pornographic image. Every time we take a risk that strains our self-control, we are sowing to the flesh. In other words, how we are growing personally determines what and how we are sowing in somebody else's life. Does that make sense? How you and I are growing. Because if you're a follower of Christ, you are to be growing. Living things grow. All through the Bible, it talks about how we are growing into Christ-likeness. And so how we are growing determines not only how we either we're sparingly sowing or we are abundantly sowing or what we are sowing into somebody else's life. I'll give you an example. In fact, the moment I say this person's name, those of you that know this dear person this will like ring true. And you know this is absolutely true. So if I mention the name Kathy Herndon, every person in this room agrees with this statement because you knew that she was continually and constantly growing in her faith. The great thing about George and John being in their 90s is that they are continually growing in their faith. They realize they have not arrived. Guess what? They've not arrived. They haven't arrived at all in their walk with Christ. And so they're growing. So like Kathy Herndon, she was continually growing. So what was she always continually doing? She was always abundantly, I mean, always sowing seed into someone's life. Here's just a, a quick little story. Uh, so my, my wife is a nurse, and uh, she happened to be at a particular place one day, and she was visiting with, with a patient. And the company that she works with, uh, they have chaplains. And uh, one afternoon, uh, this chaplain said to my wife, Sherry, goes, Hey, I think I, I met one of uh, the people you go to church with. Oh, oh really? Yeah. So I, I was there visiting with someone, and uh, there was a lady at the same table I was visiting, and this lady uh, began to share the gospel with me. And, of course, Kathy at the time couldn't see. Well, if you knew Kathy, it didn't matter if she could see or not. Like, if Billy Graham was sitting there, she would have shared the gospel with him, wanting to make sure he's got it right, you know. And so she started sharing the gospel with him, and she just had an incredible burden because she was 
kind of hearing some things he was saying. So she was sharing the gospel. And without a flinch, Sherry said, oh, you met Kathy today. Well, I knew exactly who she was talking about because she was constantly growing. She was abundantly always sowing, not into her own life, but into other people's lives as well. It did not matter whether she couldn't see, poor health, lost one of her limbs. She was continually sowing seed into other people's lives. So I just want to give you a few things, real elementary, but I, I want to encourage you with these things. Number one, my first responsibility, your first responsibility as a follower of Christ is to abundantly sow God's Word into your daily life. You know this, but it's good to hear it again and again and again. Some of our men got to go this past weekend to uh, Texas to what's called Key Man. And for years, I've been going to Key Man. And the great thing about Key Man, it always brings you back to the basics and the elementary things. Because we can get so caught up in all kinds of different stuff and then forget the very things that we ought to be doing basically in our own life of continually growing. And so you know this is to be true, but you and I are to continually be sowing God's Word in our lives daily. In fact, here's just one verse. If you don't know it, you ought to memorize this one. Colossians 3.16. And let the Word of Christ dwell in you. Can you finish it? Richly. You and I are to let the Word of God continually to grow, to be put into our lives. We're continually to be taking it in. In fact, another one of the quotes, if you look over in the quotes, by John Maxwell says, What we do or neglect to do in the privacy of our own daily lives impacts who we are. If you neglect your heart, your mind, and soul, it changes you and are on the outside as well as on the inside. And deal is, it's elementary, right? But here's my question. Are you abundantly or you sparingly sowing God's Word into your own life? And so I was kind of hesitant. Should I share this or not? But here's the deal. I'll just give this as an example, not being braggadocious or anything, but it's just an example to like, here's like how you could do this. So for years, it, took, it began as a discipline that has become a delight. I hope you hear that. It started as a discipline, a spiritual discipline, that now has become a delight. And so I, I get up at a certain time in the morning. I go to a certain place in my house at our dinner table. I make the strongest cup of coffee that you can bear, all right? And I get that, and I sit down, and there I have my Bible and something to write with. And for an hour, seven days a week, even Sunday mornings, I don't wait for Marty. You don't need to wait. I don't wait for the Sunday school class. I don't wait for the program to come on the radio. Neither do you. You need to get in the Word of God yourself. And you need to abundantly sow it into your own life. It has started out as a delight that has started out as a discipline that has become an incredible, incredible delight. 
I, I would encourage you, how simple, but to pick a place, set a time, determine you're going to take that time and you're going to sow into your own life. Because here's the deal. However you're growing determines how you're going to be sowing into other people's lives. And so on your notes there, there's just a little deal, and it's just a question. And I want to encourage you to circle something. This is for your own benefit. But like, are you sowing sparingly or abundantly? Are you sowing sparingly or abundantly? And if you, are, if you circle sparingly, I mean, be honest with yourself. If you are, what will you do? I mean, honestly, the next question is, what will you do to sow more abundantly the Word of God into your own life? What are you going to do? When are you going to do it? But I would encourage you to do it now. But, like, what are you going to do? How are you going to get into the Word of God more that you might sow it more and more and more into your life? Number two. Abundantly sow God's word into others. Now, I know that, why does I say that? You might say, but I'm not a teacher. I, I don't, I'm not a Sunday school teacher. I, I don't, I'm not in that capacity. Just a reminder, as a disciple of Jesus, every one of us have been commanded to teach others to observe all that I commanded you. And you know this, but again, a reminder, there's not enough preachers, Sunday school teachers, and missionaries in the world to do what Christ has commanded every one of us to do. Every one of us in this room are to be teaching, we're to be helping somebody else to know God's Word. Every one of us, every one of us. In fact, just to give you a little help that's been incredible help to me, how do people learn? How do you learn? How do I learn? How do, how do we learn? So here'd be a good thing. So if you are a teacher, this would be a great thing. If you're like, I'm not a teacher, this would be a good thing to realize like, hey, I can do something. And so uh, here, here's kind of the statistics. We remember 10% of what we hear. So most of you, when you leave today, you won't remember a lot unless you did something with it. Because I guarantee you, the devil is not waiting at the door. He's right there around you right now, trying to steal it away from you. And so you got to be proactive. It's not like, man, that guy was boring today. I didn't get anything out of it. The thing is, it's on you. I mean, the guy behind here needs to do a good job. But it is on every one of us that we would own this, we would take it, we would put it into our hearts to where someone doesn't steal it away from us. And so we only remember about 10%, but here's the deal. We remember about 50% of what we see. And so as we are teaching others, we're being an example to them. That's what a disciple is, right? A disciple is someone who comes alongside somebody and is given an example of like, here, here's what it looks like. Here's what it looks like to do maybe this. Here's how I read my Bible. Here's, here's what I do, and, and being an example. Also, 70% of what we can articulate. Now, what's that mean? It means that you help somebody to be able to explain it. 
I mean, that's what Jesus was doing with his disciples. It, whenever you go like, I don't know what it means to disciple someone, just read the Gospels, because that's all the Gospels are. They're Jesus with his men training them. And he not only taught them, was an incredible model to them, but he helped them to articulate. And so like, for instance, in children's Sunday school, uh, you help your children to be able to like, here's what this means. Can, can you repeat this? Can, do you understand this? Do you see what I'm saying? Can you articulate it? You want people to go away after you've maybe spent some time with them to at least be able to repeat it or to like, oh, I get this. I, I get this. It's not about getting the whole lesson. Uh, do you get this one point? Uh, can you do this? So then you see the last one. 90% of what we hear, see, say, and what we do. And so the thing is, are you sowing sparingly or abundantly into other people's lives? I've, I've told the story many, many times, but it just rings out every time I think of this. It, it makes me think of, again, George and John, never too old to do this. But I, I remember a young man at youth camp one year. He was seventh grader, and I just noticed he got up every morning, and he made his bed, and he would read his Bible, and he was courteous. He's just an exceptional uh, young man. And finally, one day, I just said, like, hey, um, I just noticed you do some things. And, um, like, did your dad... Uh, teach you how to have a quiet time to read your Bible? Like, he goes, well, I don't have a dad, but uh, there, there's a guy in our neighborhood that every Tuesday afternoon after school, uh, I go down and we have uh, like a sandwich or something together, and uh, he's just teaching me the Bible, and uh, we just spend some time together and so forth, and I said, well, that's amazing. Who is this guy? And he, he said, well, his name is... Um, and he didn't call him doctor, but his name was Dr. Bill Stewart. And um, what, what he didn't know, Dr. Stewart used to teach at Moody Bible Institute, had a, his own Bible radio program, preached all over the world. Uh, he never had to open his Bible when he preached because he had it all memorized. And if he would misquote it, his wife would be sitting out there and go, Right in the middle of service, uh, no, honey, that was, and correct him, you know, and anyway, they'd get it straight. And so, and here, here, Dr. Bill had retired in his age and stuff, but you know what he was still doing? He was still abundantly sowing God's word into someone else's life. And so the other question there would be, how will I sow more abundantly into the lives of other people? Because, hear me, there's not enough Marty Browns, there's not enough Sunday school teachers, radio preachers, there's not enough missionaries if it was left up to them. And that's, Jesus knew that. That's why he said every one of us, as followers of Christ, we are to be about this. Third, abundantly sow value into others through encouragement correction, and instruction. Sowing value into somebody else. So again, right before Christmas, Mr. Randolph went to heaven. 
Mr. Randolph was a guy in the little church I grew up, and every Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday, uh, every time he saw me, and here's how I phrased it, he never spoke to me, he always spoke into me. Mr. Randolph spoke words of life, every, and growing up, I needed it, and he knew it, and he spoke words of encouragement. And Sherry and I, we were young married, and God had called me into the ministry, and I figured I needed to go to Bible school, and there was no way I could get there. And he knew this, and I can remember it was a Sunday morning, Mr. Randolph said, hey, um, I'll pay your way. At his funeral, right before Christmas, Sherry and I were there, we got to hear testimonies of people I never had known he did that for scores of people. Now, I never got to go, but scores of people he put through college, through seminary, and he, and he put into people's lives over, and he sowed, and he sowed, and he sowed into other people's lives. It was amazing. You know, do you remember, well, let me just ask this. You don't have to raise your hand. Like, at your birthday, do you get a card? So you probably do. And people write in it, and you open it. Really, you look for the money first, then you're, like, then you're looking like, oh, yeah, thanks, that was a great card. Didn't even read it. Anyway, I'm just confessing my sin. Uh, but the uh, thing is, growing up, you know, birthday would come along, you know, you get the card, and uh, mom, dad, love you, and whatever. And so, uh, but it changed one day. It changed. In fact, I still have the card. Have you kept any of your birthday cards from your teenage years? I have one card I kept. It said something different. I actually read it. And it wasn't what Hallmark wrote. It was what my mom and dad wrote. And they didn't put, I love you. They wrote something different. And when I read it, it spoke deep down in my heart. And I kept it. Because you know what they said? We're proud of you. Well, that's saying you love you, right? but it's different. I'm proud of you. They spoke value into my life. Spoke incredible value. I'd encourage you to befriend someone of another generation. Encourage someone from another. Be with others. Show up. Be present in other people's lives. You absolutely never know the word of value you speak into someone's life what it could absolutely do in their life. And so, since the first of the year, when I go to bed, I ask this question. In fact, I, I guess I don't have it up there. Here's, here's the deal. I consider the success of my day based on how abundantly I sowed value into other people's lives. So when I go to bed at night, I have just... And right now, it's kind of a discipline. It's kind of becoming a, a delight to me to think about it. But I'm asking, did I sow abundantly into other people's lives? And when I say no, I have to ask myself, why? Why didn't I? Why did I hold back? Why didn't I speak into someone's life? Why, why didn't I, like, go out of my way and just say a thank you, or why didn't I speak to that person? Why did I not take that opportunity? Maybe to, it was an open door to share the gospel. Why, did, why didn't I do that? 
Am I abundantly sowing value into somebody else's life? And I guarantee you this morning there are people in this room with happy face on, and yet their heart maybe is just aching, and it might well be that they're across the room or they're next to you, and they need just someone to speak into their heart and that you would do that. And here's my last one. Uh, just tell a true story. It was First Baptist Church, Dallas. Uh, they had lots of Sunday school classes, and uh, they needed a teacher for the fifth grade boys' class. And there was no one on the list to go ask. And so they were looking, and probably the least likely candidate was a guy named Joe. And uh, they're like, well, you know, hey, and if you're a fifth grader, don't take this wrong, because I love you. Right? I love you. They just thought, oh, fifth grader, uh, Joe can do that, you know. So they asked Joe, and they threw him in there and just hoped for the best. And then uh, over several weeks, they kind of started seeing this fifth grade boys' class flourishing. It's just like, wow, something's going on here. Like, what's going on? And so uh, the Sunday school guy went to Joe, and he goes, hey, we just kind of noticed there's some good things going on in your class. Like, what are you doing? And so Joe had this little uh, notebook, and he just sat down with the guy, and he just started opening the pages. And uh, here is a picture of Bill, and it says, uh, Bill needs help with his math, so I'm going over helping him with his homework. Uh, here's Pete. His parents just got divorced, and so encourage, write a note to him. Be sure to speak to him. The whole thing was, the whole thing was, Joe prayed for every one of his students every day. He looked for how he could sow into their lives. And you can probably already think, this is what we're going to, is abundantly so in prayer. Joe abundantly sowed in prayer. And he had, a, he, he had a system. I know that doesn't sound spiritual. A system, but he had a system, and it was working because it caused him to be able to abundantly and not sparingly sow into other people's lives. And so he had a system. And again, that doesn't sound spiritual, but hear me. God created systems whether you realize it or not. You and I live in the solar system. Your body has about 11 different systems. And thank God when they're all working, right? Yeah, yeah. When they're working, man, it's a wonderful thing. It's a great deal. And the thing is, having a system. And again, not braggadocious, but since the first of the year, I just put a system in place for me to hopefully pray more abundantly for other people. And again, a system doesn't sound spiritual, right? But let me just help you for a moment. If you've ever made a New Year's resolution and you broke it within the first week, it wasn't that your resolution was bad. It was that you just didn't have a system to support it, right? And so you need a system. 
to support it. And so that means you kind of put something in place. I started out with my quiet time every morning with the Lord. It's a system that now is an incredible delight. I don't even have to think about it. I'll, I'll do it if I'm on vacation. I'm, uh, it doesn't matter because, man, it's just part of my life now. But, it, but it's, a, it's a system that I put in place. And so you don't like, if you come up with a good idea, you're going to do it. You don't rise to that. Whatever you do, you fall to the level of the system you have. And so if you have no system in place to get up in the morning or after work, like one of our staff members or one of our pastors, he waits till everybody goes to bed and he has his quiet time. And so if you don't have something in place, you probably won't do it. And so here I'm going to finish my statement. I, I put a system in place that I would consistently be praying, and here's what I've seen from it. It is changing my life. You probably thought, are you seeing all these answers to prayer? You know what I'm seeing most of all? I'm seeing a change in my own life. Because I honestly believe just recently I have begun to abundantly sow in prayer like I've never done before. So men, would you come and help us with our Lord's Supper? And while they're coming, I pray that you'll just keep your attention while they're walking because here would be my question. Why should any of us, why should any of us consider sowing more abundantly in the Word of God in our own lives, more abundantly in somebody else's life? Why would, why would we ever like, hey, I'm doing good enough in whatever I'm sowing. Why would I ever consider to do it more abundantly. Why would I ever consider that? As a follower of Jesus, why would I ever consider that? Romans chapter 5. You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since we have now been justified by his blood, how much more shall we be saved through God's wrath through him? For if while we were God's enemies, we were reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more, having been reconciled, shall we be saved through his life? 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though He was rich, for your sake He became poor, so that you, by His poverty, might become rich. And then Matthew 10, 8. So many we could talk about. Jesus simply said, Freely you have received. Freely Say it with me. You give. Every person in this room, if you're a follower of Christ, you are so, not because you decided to become a friend of God, 
God decided to call you to be your friend. He has abundantly and abundantly and abundantly. He has, He is, and He will continue to what? Abundantly so in our lives. So as a child of God, why would I ever consider to sow more? Because He has sown more in our lives. In fact, we take communion this morning, and why do we do that? Jesus said, hey, I want you to do this, that you might remember what I've done. And so as we take this this morning, it's a time to think about like what he's done for you and have communion with him. And then to think about like, where's my life like right now? Like, am I at this particular thing we're talking about today? Am I being sparing? Like, Lord, why am I being selfish? Like, why am I holding back? Or like, maybe Lord, I realize I'm not growing And so, that's why I'm not sowing. And so, Lord, in remembering all you've done, Lord, help me to do this. So, if you're new with us today, if you're a believer, we invite you to take with us. While it's being passed, uh, there's two cups. So, when you pick it up, you'll be picking up two cups. The first one has the juice. The second one underneath has the bread, so you'll take two and you'll have those. And and my encouragement while our men pass these out is that you would begin just communing with God. Thank you for how abundantly you've sown in my life. Help me to abundantly sow.